shit. <laughs> Forgot how we start this thing. Hello. Hi, and welcome to Murder, She Read, the true crime podcast where we read books, give each other dirty looks, and drink copious amounts of wine. That's exactly what we do. Um, I'm sitting across from Victoria Campbell. And I am across from the ever-lovely Amanda Fall. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's day one of vacation for me. Oh, hello. Hi. I started it by reading some awful fucking things. Yeah, too. Two awful, awful things. things. Uh-huh. What are we doing? Well, you're in vacation mode one, so hopefully you'll be drinking copious amounts of wine. Um, but... Can't wait to black up <laughs> by the end of this one. Uh, but two, shall we dive into our first, and this will be our last part of the segment on Lady Killers by Tori Telfer. That's exactly what we should do. All right. I think that we picked a horrific way to end it. Yeah. It gets really fucking dark. And you know what? I, um... So I did our first batch of research. We picked a girl, and then we had another one. Or Victoria had chosen another one, and I vetoed her because I was over a poisoner. And frankly, she was boring. So she gave me the list of my options. I chose one out. Turns out, almost identical to the first. Different setting. Can't also wait. terrible. All right. <laughs> Fucking terrific. Um, all right, so let's dive into our first story about Daria Nikolaevna Saltikova. There's a V in there. Yeah, I ignored that. Nikolaevna. Sure. Um, Daria was a privileged noblewoman born in Russia. She was related to princes and statesmen with fancy roles. She also had a ton of servants at her disposal. She was born March of 1730, third of five daughters, which I'm sure her feudal parents were like very pleased with to have five daughters. Um, she married a man named Gleb Alexandrovich Saltikova. Yeah, she married up. He was yeah. even more noble than her. Yeah, he was captain of the cavalry regiment of the Russian Imperial Guard, and his family was very, very, very well-connected. They were, in fact, related to the Tolstoys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Daria's hobnobbing with all these fancy, high intellectual people, and she uh, cannot read. Oh, she can't read? Cannot read, so... But she's noble. Still a woman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Don't imagine. teach him? Mm-mm. She probably can sign her name. Um, and the pair had two sons, Theodore and Nicholas. Let's keep it all in the Tsarland. Um, but her husband, unfortunately, died in 1756. Yeah, and she was only 26. Yeah, she so was... she becomes the richest widow in Russia. Mm-hmm. Which is quite a title. Yeah, and in addition to that title, she's now in charge of two young sons, as well as her husband's Moscow mansion and his summer estate. So she's not only in charge of these two giant households, she's also in charge of all the serfs who live on and around her new properties. Yeah, I read that she had, like, over 600. Yeah, it's, like, a bonkers amount of people, and they actually call the serfs souls. It's this whole dehumanizing thing. Yeah, Um, I was going to read into, do a little, like, feudalism refresher for myself and maybe give some info, but I... uh, Started it and got angry at history again, and I don't have anything for you. Uh, I have a light history for Great, you. Great, please. So this is, Catherine Great, the Great is about to take the throne, and she's trying to westernize Russia. Um, Are how, we still trying to westernize Russia? To this day? Yeah. No, they're trying to Russianize us. Oh, different. Yeah. I see. Comes full circle. Um, however, the serfs served as a problem because they were slaves in all but name. 100%. Um, so they're not a great look for Catherine, who's trying to represent this new freer Russia, but 
they still exist, and they represented a noble's wealth, and the nobles were encouraged to basically treat them like livestock, beating them and selling them, trading them, um, and constantly paranoid of an uprising. Laws were put into place so that the serfs could never make claims against their masters. They'd basically be punished if they ever said that they were mistreated. Oh, that explains a lot of what comes up. Okay, sure got does. it. Um, so, Len's back on Daria. She is a devout Catholic. Is she? Yes. She is. Not a practicing one. Well, she thinks she's God later, but we'll see about that. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, she's known to, like, make pilgrimages to this specific cathedral. What's the Catholic church? I don't know. A cathedral, I imagine. Cathedral. Um, where there's, like, this very, it's like a, what are they called? Relic? Is it a holy relic? Like the you most are asking one. the wrong Catholic. You have a religious <laughs> studies degree. <laughs> I was also raised Catholic. Didn't stick. Um, you know, those like high holy artifacts were like the one in just like Notre Dame that just caught fire. They still had the Christ's crown. Okay. They saved that. All right. They're in all the churches. I don't know. We'll talk later. Anyway, so she loves <laughs> Catholicism. Is <laughs> is what this is. Um, and so she, anyway, she's super religious. She likes to make pilgrimages to this one place and like gaze on this specific painting of the Virgin Mary. So, in addition to liking Catholicism, she really liked to clean home. And if she found something amiss in her household, she'd beat the shit out of the offending serf with whatever was handy. Like, say, a rolling pin, a lamp, whatever you got around. I read logs. Yeah, she does that, too. She likes a log. Why'd she have so many logs around? So, well, you've a lot of fireplaces, I imagine, in a... Oh, yeah, we're in 1730. Yep. 1760. Can you hear the dog thumping around? Who knows? We'll find out. It's gonna be a fucking nightmare. Um... So this beating of serfs was very common behavior for nobles, and Daria, however, did not know when to stop. She'd lock her maidservants in a hut and starve them for days if they didn't mop her floors properly. And it was noted amongst town that her servants were often covered in blood, and she had once beat a pregnant servant girl named Anisia Grigorova so badly that she miscarried. Being a Catholic, she called a priest to come perform the last rites of the dying girl. Um, the the pregnant young girl. Um, and the priest was like, what the fuck? And called the police in a wave of horror at what he had seen. Was this before or after she takes a lover? I don't really know the time frame on when she took a lover. Um, he came pretty shortly after her husband's death. Right. So one day she meets Nikolai Chuchev. There's a lot of teas in there. Look, I did a lot of Google, how do you pronounce this, listening to videos it didn't work. I don't know anything. What? Can I finish off the thing about the yeah. girl she beat to death? Sure. Okay, so this is the first instance of this. The cops were called, the cops, the police were called by uh, that priest who had come to perform the last rites. They found the dead woman to have a severely bruised back as well as a wound near her heart, and they did nothing as Daria was a noble woman. So this is the first taste that she gets that she's untouchable because she's a noble. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. Oh. Uh, all right, so now take us to her lover. Okay, now we got Nikolai Chuchev. She starts this affair. She's getting older and is very lonely. The affair with him uh, raises her spirits a bit. And like, okay, I'm not saying she's getting older and lonely. That's what I've read. And also I'm imagining she's like, what, 28? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, she learns that her lover had taken another lover, a much younger girl. I doubt we want to know how much younger. But they actually got married behind her back. And Daria is fucking pissed she in is this livid. like blind fury she almost kills him 
He and his young bride escape to his relative's estate in Moscow, and they soon flee the region altogether. Do you have any uh, information on how she tried to kill him? Because this is quite the price. Okay. So, uh, not one to do her own dirty work, because she's a noble. She sends her servants off with gunpowder explosives to the new woman's house and instructs them to let just, you know, light them around the property, blow that shit up. She's, like, literally trying to blow both of them up. Jesus Christ. The servants don't want to do it. They come back. She beats the shit out of them. She sends a couple more to go do it. The fire doesn't take. They come back, probably also get beaten. She's like, fine, this isn't working. I'm going to send more servants to wait for the pair to leave in a carriage and then attack them. And the serfs are like, no, I don't want to. And so they notify um, the authorities and the captain, who is understandably pissed. Uh, The captain is her lover. And he makes an official claim against Daria. Oh, But I want to back this up a little bit um, to the story that I was telling about the pregnant girl who was beaten to death. Um, Her husband actually filed a complaint against Daria, but she told the police that he was lying and that to send him back to her estate. And they did so, and she promptly exiled him, and he died shortly thereafter. And this is another situation in which she is untouchable again. She first had the priest bring claims against her, and it came to nothing. And then she had this man's husband bring claims against her, and it came to nothing. She also had these charming habits of she started having husbands beat their wives in front of her uh, to throw scalding water on other servants before beating them herself. Uh, She lit a woman's hair on fire. She pushed an 11-year-old down a staircase to her death. Um, she sent her most trusted surf beater out to spend the night in the frigid wilderness for not being good enough at his job. And when they brought him back in, she clamped hot tongs over his ears, threw scalding water all over him. And she was just creative and horrendous and had zero remorse about her behavior, despite her deep running Catholicism. And she's focusing mostly on women here, right? Yeah. Like she is almost exclusively going after women and women that are younger than her. Yeah, um, there's an occasional man tossed into the mix, um, but obviously her servants are terrified. Um, they'd run away and alert the authorities who would simply send them back to Daria. So there's this like pattern of behavior with this, which is, as I said before and before, she's gathering this idea that she's completely untouchable, and she is. Um, and when all else failed, she would bribe anybody. She'd pay off priests and doctors and high-ranking officials in the city. Um, so if a surf died or somebody filed a complaint there's nothing that they could do about it well like you said earlier like so if a surf files a complaint chances are they're the ones that are going to get punished yeah exactly so then there's no reason for them to come forward with anything yeah absolutely they live in fear either way um so after this fun interlude that amanda mentioned when she tried to kill her lover and his new wife Uh, She was questioned, but she, of course, claims her innocence, and she cited her religious piety and the fact that the serfs were doing it of their own volition. They just, like, casually wanted to blow up this house. They had every reason to, I'm sure. Yeah, why not? So nothing happens this time either, but justice is not too far away. No, what happens? In 1762, a serf named Ilion, who really fucking hates Daria, Amanda, because she murdered not one, not two... But three of his wives wives. (laughs) Um, trots to St. Petersburg with an accusation stating that Daria has killed over 100 people. And he's hoping he can get this letter to Catherine the Great because she is talking a lot publicly and is being known as someone who is trying to reform Russia, um, particularly serfdom. Um, 
But even if it doesn't get to Catherine, it gets to authorities who actually believe it, and an inquisition is formed around Daria. Yeah, the Empress orders the College of Justice to begin an investigation and ultimately decides to try Soltikova publicly. I skip right to the arrest because that's all that I've got. Okay, let me wait. Um, she's pissed, right, because her serfs have disobeyed her, and now she's looking real bad in the public eye. Um, but then this news does get to Catherine, and she uh, goes ahead and accuses Daria of 138 murders. Right. Um, she'll be found guilty of 38. Do you want to talk to us about the trial? Um, so she is arrested in 1762 and held for six years while authorities investigate. Most survivors and witnesses are too afraid to come forward because, like, yeah, obviously she's in jail, but they have no reason to believe that anything is going to happen. Right. So they are like, fuck this. If she gets out, she's coming for us. We're just going to stay quiet. The investigating official counted as many as 138 suspicious deaths on the Saltikova estate, most of which could be attributed to Daria. And like you said, obviously, um, ultimately she is found guilty of murdering 38 female serfs. I have her sentencing and nothing else. Uh, Yeah, I have her sentencing as well. Okay, yeah. So on October 2nd, 1768, Saltikova was sentenced to life in prison, preceded by a civil execution ceremony on Red Square in Moscow. Yes, and who did get invitations to that ceremony. I imagine all the serfs? All the nobles, because oh. Catherine the Great, who is now very much involved in this whole situation... Wants to make an example? Yes, she wants to make an example out of her. Do you know what they do to her in the square? Don't they, like... Oh, I'm mixing murders. It's like mixing metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, like, wait, first... they rip her tunic and show her collarbone. No, that was first last week. they beat the shit out of her. Oh. And then she is forced to wear a sign for an hour that yes. reads, this woman has tortured and murdered. Yes. It's like light. Like, I'm not usually one for capital punishment, but I feel like today I am. Just <laughs> in this situation, I'm for it. Um, so following this display, she's imprisoned in a monastery dungeon in chains in a windowless room that was built for her. She had her own little room. Um, she was, like, truly in complete fucking darkness. Oh, She's yeah. given a candle at mealtime that is then snatched right back. Um, and, yeah, that's it. That's all she gets. She lives this way for 11 long-ass years. Can I, I pause you for a hot take? Please. Um, outside of her meals where she gets the candle, um, her only other activity happened on Sundays where they let her go stand under the grates of a fucking church <laughs> and listen to the sermon. And could you imagine? You're like, oh, going through your catechism or whatever the fuck happens in a Catholic church. Just in the darkness. And she's like, mm, just like full eyeballing up crazily. Well, yeah, it explains a lot of her mental state when she's let out of this dungeon. Correct. So after the 11 years, they let her go to a different room in the monastery. It just has like a shuttered window, but she can like... Do you know the rumor as to why she was let out? No. Um, going around she the times... her own arms? No, that a guard knocked her up. Okay, I did read something about that. Um, okay, here's the thing. This is difficult. Both of these murders were impossible to research. This one I found a decent amount of information on. One article that I could tell had more was like auto-translated from Russian. Oh. So it was all PC. It was like I was trying to read Russian. It was really aggressive. But that's where I got snippets. I couldn't tell where that child came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's unclear. It sounds like it's just, like, from the book, uh, it just sounds like it was just a rumor. There was, like, no... Oh, no, uh, no evidence yeah. There was, it. like, no baby, you know, like, coming out of that 
okay. enclave, yeah. Because I think what I read was, like, something about a surf gave her a child, but no one knew where it came from. <laughs> I was like, this can't be accurate. No, I'm this seems it. very wrong. Here, murderous. My child. <laughs> Have this baby. Keep it in full darkness for its entire life. What will happen? But I love the, there's an anecdote about how after she's let into this one window, shuttered room, people could come and obviously like ogle at her like she was in a zoo and she would just poke at them with sticks. <laughs> I also heard when children <laughs> came by, she used to spit at them and piss. <laughs> she did, which like clearly her mental state was probably not great. Yeah, I th- when she, um, the last time somebody went to see her, a priest or something, he was like, she is not human she's not human anymore at that point um she lives in that cell until the age of 71 though she was imprisoned for 33 years i didn't know the life expectancy in the 1700s was in your 70s well it's not i imagine they were like when you're kept in darkness yeah just full worm status um so her name lives on with a slight alteration amanda do you want to tell us about it yeah they call her salty chichka yeah I tried to look up what that means. I don't know. Couldn't find anything. Um, so it's a diminutive nickname with no real meaning, but it's oh. a dig at the nobility because there's no way that serfs would ever be able to address or discuss their basically owners. No nicknames? In a nickname diminutive way. So it's like a, the book called it a linguistic rebellion, which I really liked. That's now how you're going to describe yourself. Yeah, I'm a linguistic rebellion. <laughs> or just a linguistic rebel, sure. <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, so that's where her nickname comes from. And, um, I did want to Google this because I don't remember, I can't even fathom when I would have learned about feudalism seventh grade. Mm. Um, that's why I Googled it. But I was like, oh, that's a lot. But although Catherine Great, Catherine the Great was trying to do a lot of stuff for, um, a freer, more westernized Russia, it would still be 66 years after her death until serfdom was officially abolished by Tsar Alexander II. Damn. I know. It's a long-ass time. It's a fucking long time. Yeah. Well, there was that. Yeah. Up that was rough. <laughs> Guys, this is, gonna, this is gonna be a doozy mm-hmm. of a fucking episode. Bet you wish we had a poisoner in here. Hm? You know, I kind of do, mm-hmm. because, uh, what are you... I got a sticker? Thank yeah. you. Um, this next one isn't better, but I do have less information. So, does that help? I think I have more. Great, because there's approximately two articles on the internet. One of them is a Pinterest post, and one of them is a blog spot. What is the Pinterest post about? Don't you put wedding planning on there? <laughs> it's just a bunch of mugshots. <laughs> The internet. Weird Pinterest board. (laughs) Guys, do not make a murder Pinterest board. It's a bad look for you and society. I just didn't know that that could happen on there. I thought it was all mason jars and Cinnabon cakes. There's a murder segment, apparently. Give me that wine bottle. Um, All right, well, Amanda, would you like to introduce our next murderer? Because you don't want to butcher that name? Yeah, I'm, I already fucked things up with some Russian names, so please. Listen, you would, you avoided a lot of the Russian names. I had a lot more in my notes and wasn't going to call them out, because they're not necessary, but they were fun to try. <laughs> Alright, so here we go. I'll fuck this up for you. Thank you. So, Mulay Hassan, real name, Omel Hassan, nicknamed the Ogress of Fez. That's mean. 
not nice. She mm-hmm. does deserve it. She's also not so nice. So the Moulay Hassan, not the Moulay Hassan, but Moulay Hassan, um, not to be confused with the current Crown Prince of Morocco, same name, confusing articles. Oh. <laughs> Did you learn anything fun about him? Any fun facts news? He's 16. That's all I got. I stopped Googling. Oh, he's rich. He's very rich and young. Um, she was born in Algiers and gained fame as the most beautiful cabaret dancer in Northern Africa. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining you have more information, but do you want me to skip right to when she saved those French officers? Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She was born in Algiers in 1890, and by all accounts, as Amanda said, grew into a real stunner. 1890. Good. I didn't get any dates for this. You're welcome. Blogspot. Black background, green writing. That's where all of my notes come from. I imagine the wine detectiving's on the wrong side of it. Well, don't worry, I have you. Um, So by all accounts, she was a very talented dancer. um, And she began uh, getting involved with sex work at 12. Oh. Yep. And would come to be known as the most beautiful cabaret girl in all of Northern Africa. I already said that part. Oops. (laughs) Um, So in addition to being very beautiful, um, she was savvy, and she knew that her position in life was pretty tenuous, and that it required her to align herself with people more powerful than she. Makes sense. Uh, So at the time, Algeria was still under French control. I've got another history lesson. Um, So she committed herself to the French way of life. Uh, She loved all things French, including the French soldiers, uh, stating she wouldn't go to bed with a man who wasn't a member of the French army. That's a pretty specific type. I think there were a lot of them running around because they were under colonial rule. I don't know what was going on over there. Well, I have some more history that we'll get to in a minute. Um, So I mentioned her general savviness before, and she put this to good use running a brothel in Fez. And by the time she was in her 20s, she was brothel boss, I think is probably the official title. Brothel boss? Yeah. Is that the title that you would like? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this brothel was super duper successful and was frequented. Super duper successful? Super duper. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, the writer didn't say that. That was me. I imagine. <laughs> Again, with the winking. It's a linguistic rebellion. Half a bottle of wine in Victoria cannot stop winking. I need everyone to know this. What if my eye's tired? You don't know. Anyway, so there's not a lot that exists about her power, personal life, but uh, her brothel was frequented by very successful individuals. Um, and here the author notes that Moulet was in love only once, and she lived for five years with the colonel of the French army. She even had a daughter whom she gave birth to and sent right the fuck off to live with her sister back in Algiers. Um, but all things considered, she was doing really well and was super successful as a brothel owner. Um, I have another small history, and then I'll give this to Amanda to talk about the French soldier situation. Um, On March 30th, 1912, the Sultan of Morocco signed a treaty making Morocco a French protectorate, and Moroccan nationalists went buck, uh, understandably. On April 17th, Moroccan troops rose up and rebelled, taking to the streets to kill any European they could get their hands on. Um, so Moulet, ever loyal to those in power, and particularly the French, did what, Amanda? Okay, so when tribes from the Atlas Mountains rebel in 1912, like you said, uh, she saves the lives of anywhere from 16 to 30, depending on which portion of the blog spot I was reading. It's 30. 
30 French officers by hiding them in her house. If the one portion of the blog spot I was reading is correct, she shaved their beards and made them up as women. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that part felt like a lie, so I didn't write it down, but I did remember it right in that brain Here's line. what I will say, although I enjoy this narrative. Um, that was actually published in an American newspaper out of, like, Oshkosh. Um, they were oh like... Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> they run a, a... They sell children's pants. Overalls <laughs> yeah. and newspapers. Yes, they're busy. Cool. Um, uh, but that story is just fun that she like shaved off their mustaches did them up in full drag and then when uh the rebels came and knocked on her door she opened it and there were she'd arranged like the, <laughs> a bunch of poorly dressed up frenchmen <laughs> oh god these women have giant hands <laughs> running brothels the ugliest women you can find well she interspersed the frenchmen with her actual uh, brothel I residence. imagine they were pretty obvious who was who. Yes, but the way that the newspaper article was like, it was this tableau of sexual women, and so they were distracted, um, and then she pulled a gun on What the, you're saying is that American media has been making shit up from the beginning? Yeah, I've got more evidence of it, too. Great. Um, and then she pulled a gun on them, on the, the rebels, and was like, please leave. Okay. Um, in reality, what happened was that um, somebody came to the door, knocked, and... Um, she greeted them with a gun, for sure. Um, and she was shot in the hand, but in exchange, she shot one of the rebels. All right. Well, um, so far, she's doing okay. Yeah, she's doing fine. She was recommended for the Legion of Honor. But they said, no, thank you. They didn't give it to her. They were like, no, she's a brothel master. You can't and a woman. just start giving her medals. Yeah, yeah. a woman as well. Um, but over 700 people died in that street that day, although most of them were Moroccans. So we have the fun with the American newspapers. And again, what actually... So, I mean, she was shot in the hand. Yeah, she was doing well. She was doing well? She was shot in the hand? She was doing fine. Okay. Um, so the French officers paid her 11,000 francs. How much money is that? You're so lucky. Here's what I did today. Um, I ignored my students. First... <laughs> <laughs> did a great teaching job. Work on your papers. I'm converting francs to dollars. Um... It is, uh, it's about $556,000 in today's money. Shit. Um, and Moulet basked in their adoration, and she inflated the number of French she had saved from 30 to 60. Um, and this would not be her only time rescuing the French. She also heard about a high-ranking Moroccan official who was scheming to kill a bunch of French soldiers, but Moulet wasn't having it, and she passed the information along, and the plot was shut right down. So she's a spy? Yeah, I bet the Moroccans for sure saw her as a spy, yes. Um, but she's pandering to who's in power still, so she's working whatever she can to get whatever she can out of the situation. But then she vanishes, and nobody hears from her for a while. There's a lot of rumors about what she was doing during this time period, that she... Uh, Drug trafficking and white slavery. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> Don't worry, I got Thank all the you. rumors together. Amanda just made a full starfish pose somehow. <laughs> Only three legs. <laughs> this one's still crossed. This shoe's still off. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of rumors about what she was up to, um, but zero facts. Um, you got something? No, not facts. Okay. <laughs> you got rumors? Nah, just the slavery part. Okay. Eventually. She gets married, doesn't she? Oh, I've got that she and her husband, Muhammad Ben Ali, who claims... No, not her husband. Not her husband? He's her manservant. Um, everything said she was married to her. Mm -mm. Well, he claims to be a direct descendant of Muhammad. 
probably <laughs> not true. Ten for ten, not true. Gonna go with another rumor. Um, they are living in a small house in Fez. One thing is for sure, she was operating an underground nightclub. Oh. No? That's fine. The next thing I have is in Meknez. Not in Fez anymore. Maybe they switched. I don't know. Okay, so what I've got is that maybe she did. Maybe she was operating an underground nightclub because she lost her license in Fez. Maybe that was it. No, this went to McNez because this is where the horrors happen. Oh, okay. So she loses her brothel <laughs> license in Fez and she gets the fuck out of town. So she relocates to a shitty part of the city, McNez. That's how I'm pronouncing it. And she started a decidedly less bougie brothel there. Um, her business was notable for its, I ripped this from the text, grime and beatings. Um, as well as the orgies that went on there and the fact that the women who worked at her establishment were starved and bruised. Yeah, from what I did gather, facts are not facts. It sounded like this was basically a live snuff film situation where you could just go in and you pay to watch people do whatever you want to other people or you can do it yourself. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. I think that... um... The author of the book was kind of tiptoeing about saying that out loud, but yeah, it sounds... Yeah, it yeah. was really fucking disgusting. Yeah. I didn't write it down because it hurt. Okay, well then we'll leave it in the dust. We'll leave it in the dust. Um, All bad. So she's obviously doing the starving of the women. She starved them, she locked them up so they couldn't escape, and she beat the shit out of them without any provocation. Um, at least seven of these women were crippled by her abuse, which I imagine is not great for business if you're running a brothel. I mean, it's fine if you're running a torture brothel. It's true. That's a good point. Um, uh, in 1936, some children were playing in the street outside of Moulet's brothel, and they found a basket okay. tied with string. Okay, I found three separate versions of this story. I can't wait to read which, or see which one you got. The basket one. Head falls out? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't... <laughs> no? No. Start they opened it. What? <laughs> they opened it because they're nosy little fucks, and they found body parts inside, including feet, hands, hair, torso, hair, which I spelled here, hmm. and young breasts was oh. the description that I got. Nothing Gross. about a head rolling around. Okay. Well, I got that version, but it was head in a basket, body in a blanket. Oh. There was one where she was living in this, like, fortress. It was, like, a fortress around... The nightclub? Don't worry, this one felt very fake. It gets, <laughs> I'm going to say it because it's fun, um, but it's definitely not real. Where kids had dug a tunnel underneath and were under her fig tree, and then an officer walked past and heard children, where there shouldn't be children in the fortress, came under with them, found them putting together the pieces of a, the bones of a oh, hand. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I think that one was also fake. Yeah, 10 for 10. 10 for 10? Um, was and that then... for your translation? No, that salad? was the last story, Victoria. This is Blogspot. Everything I have is from Blogspot. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot that everything was a true fact in Blogspot. Go on. Um, oh, and then I guess the easy one I just have is that children playing in the street discovered the dismembered body of this girl. Yes. Um, and the other fun thing is that uh, in addition to all these uh, dismembered body parts that were jammed in this basket, um, there were also thyme and other herbs stuffed in there to cover up the scent. You got a weird definition of fun. Yeah, I do. Um, so obviously the police are called because all these kids probably sprint home screaming. Deep trauma. Um, and they show up on Moulet's doorstep because she basically left the basket 
on her own doorstep. Right. Not, didn't try hard. Yeah, it wasn't even, like, the reverse of when you drop a baby off at the church. It was just stupid. Um, so she tells them the body belongs to one of her boarders, Sharifa. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has no idea as to what had happened to her. Um, and the police questioned her right-hand man, not her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who began to sweat under pressure and started rambling about beatings and violence, but Mule silenced him and was he was <laughs> she was like, he's just a simple idiot. Don't listen to him. Oh yeah, I got that he confesses immediately. Not yet. Oh. Um, <laughs> and she reminds the police of all of the Frenchmen that she had saved. Fair. So the police are like, mm. um, and they search her house and they find weapons and some suspicious bloodstains. Mm-hmm. Like, when are bloodstains not suspicious is my question. And the faint toppings on the wall? In a second. So while they were searching, they heard... Faint toppings on the wall. And Mule's like, oh, that's just... It's a, a cat. I was having some work done on my house. This cat got in there. And so they're like, okay, we'll break the wall down and get the cat out. And she's like, boys, boys, boys. I've already called a professional. You'll make a mess of this. And the police Um, were like, I do not care. And they started shoving their guns through the wall. No, first they tried to leave. And then they heard somebody scream, help, there are four of us in here and we're dying. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good tip off. (laughs) Oh, God, that cat can talk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Mulay is obviously going to jail and she's going to trial. And she's... Yeah, so a thorough search of the club after they've, you know, whatever... The screaming of the children. Inside are four girls and a boy of around age 15. They're alive, but, like, barely. Right. That's it. That's all I wanted. Was just to specify who was in the walls. <laughs> There's no one in your walls. Did you hear that noise upstairs? That's upstairs. Um, so this case is, like, a huge attraction. Journalists from all over the globe are getting over to figure out what's going on with the ogress. <laughs> As Amanda stated, she gets to be known. Um, and the evidence against Moulet does not look good. There were implements that Moulet had used to kill and dismember Sharifa. There was the pot Sharifa had been boiled in. A, uh. a garrot, because she loves a French thing. A revolver. And a pestle that had been used for grinding scalps rather than almonds was the quote that I took from the book. I don't like that quote. It seemed very specific. She had quoted it, so I think it was from a newspaper article. I'm upset about that. Yeah, I was not pleased. That's why I had to share it with you. Um, additionally, there were the pink and white sheets that had been wrapped around Sharifa, the woman who was found in the basket, which didn't show much blood because Sharifa had been too thin to bleed because she had been starved for so long. Jesus Christ. Um, and although there wasn't that much additional tangible evidence of the 14 girls who had lived with and worked for Moulet in Meknes, seven were unaccounted for. Okay. Um, and... Ultimately, and I imagine through the confession of that manservice slash who Amanda thinks is her husband. Whatever. You can um, marry your manservice. Another one of the dead girls was ultimately identified as Aika. And when she had become unappealing to customers because she had been beaten and starved, uh, Mule fed her a poisoned loaf of bread. Yeah, I read, um, again, rumors galore, but that if these girls refuse to do what uh, Boulay ask or what the customers ask, that they're either beaten and killed or right. sold back into white slavery. Oh, interesting. Okay. So 
from the several accounts that were in this blog spot, <laughs> it was anywhere from like one to 100 victims. Okay. And there's just so many rumors surrounding this case. And clearly from the fact that I got all of my information from a blog spot, <laughs> not a ton of legitimate factual information about this. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what's truth and what's fact. That's a really nice. What's truth and what's fiction. There's the one. You got it. Uh, this is a nice transition into what I'm going to talk about. Um, there was little actually reported by the reporters who were at the trial. They were more into sensationalizing it, and there wasn't a lot of information. Um, however, the there was a story reported that um, Sharifa was an immensely talented dancer and was often forced to perform this fucked up thing called the hot tea dance, which Ooh, was invented yeah, by Mulan. You want to talk about it? I don't have it written down. Let's see what I can remember. Okay, so she has to balance a tray on her head. First, she's got to take all her clothes off. I imagine this yeah. was done fully nude, yeah. Tray on her head, boiling hot water, yes. four cups, mm-hmm. and then has to do a dance. As well as acrobatics. Oh, acrobatics, yeah. that's right. Um, and it said she got it right about one out of four times. That's exactly what I read, yeah. Um, I can so, remember things. So it's this really fucked up thing where you're watching this woman scald herself while trying to yeah, please like you said, in whatever visual Yeah, this is basically a yeah. snuff situation. Yeah. All bad. And so what happened on, or this still may be conjecture and rumor, but um, what had allegedly happened on the night of her death was that she did the hot tea dance, um, and then the man whom she was entertaining was a real fucking sick fuck, and he wasn't getting off on that sort of debauchery. I don't know what's masochism? the right word. It's masochism. Yeah. So he wasn't getting off on that masochism. So he started burning needles with his cigarette lighter and driving them into her back. Um, and she ultimately flipped the fuck out. As I would hope that I would do in that situation. I don't know what I would do. Um, but she like ninja kicked him in the gut. Uh, threw him to the floor and then sort of like punching him in the jaw and then um, as he fucking deserves yeah. um, and then Moulet and her husband manservant uh, pulled her off of him and started beating her basically senseless um, and so when they were tired of beating her they went ahead and strangled her with a garrote and then they boiled her fucking body for 24 hours and tossed her in that basket and placed her on the street <sighs> guys this is a rough story can we get to her conviction? <laughs> Let me... <laughs> Can we skip ahead? Very I like soon. these parts. Um, so there were plenty of witnesses who testified against Moulet, including the four fucking kids she had kept in the walls. Yeah. Um, my question, do you know who those kids belong to? No, it was all slavery. Oh. Like, all of the people that worked there were trafficked. Okay. I didn't under... Yeah, I was like, whose children were yeah, this was all, like, so white slavery and human trafficking is a huge issue. I mean, still currently, um, yeah. but especially over there, it was deemed, like, you get these European kids and they're, like, tokens. Oh, I did not have that. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so those four children testified against her, <clears throat> and all of these kids were so starved and dazed, and they, like, screamed when they saw Moulet, that she was this, like, just, like, the sight of her was enough to send them into a traumatic frenzy. Um, she was skewered in the press, as she should have been. The ogress? Yeah. 
And a lot of people were trying to comment on, like, the loss of her looks having a correlation to her increase in cruelty, but that's correlation, causation, bullshit. You want to talk to us about her sentencing? Yeah, it's quick. So she's tried and convicted. She's sentenced to death by the government of French Morocco. It was confirmed by an official dispatch that the execution had taken place. However, possibly because of her relationship with the government, her connection to higher-ups, the possibility that some of the people that were attending her torture brothel were higher-up officials within the government, she was actually just sentenced to 15 years in prison and then was let out secretly. Yeah, that was something... There's um, no good ending here. No, well, there's a little bit of one, I think. Um, So what Amanda just said, this idea that she had been uh, actually executed uh, was proliferated in the U.S. press. We love it. Sounds right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she was just given 15 years. She escaped the guillotine and... In addition to what Amanda said, that some of the patrons of her brothel were, in fact, high-ranking officials, she also had done all that shit for the French, and Morocco was still under French control at this point. Right. So she gets off with nothing. Her, not nothing, but, like, fucking nothing. No, 15 years is absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's a drop. For everything that she fucking did. It's a drop in the Jesus bucket. Jesus Christ. Um, and her manservant husband gets 10. Um, so her sentence was up, and she just fucking disappeared. And so what I would like to believe is that somebody fucking killed her. I would like to believe that. Is that true? No. It's just, like, pure conjecture. Um, So after 15 years... um, Ooh, can we make up how we hope she died? Yeah, go for it. Okay, in a wall. That's it. I hope she (laughs) dies in a wall. (laughs) That's my full story, start to finish. (laughs) Are you joking? Syphilis. I hope she died of syphilis. Syphilis. Long death. Yeah, blind. Yeah. Okay. Draw it out. What about syphilis? And trapped in a wall. I'm here for that. There we go. You have it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Tell Oshkosh Bagosh to get their paper presses back out. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have to find laughter in this one because Jesus Christ, this is fucking depressing. Double bummer is what I call that. Where do we go from here? Well, I hope we go home, but um, we're done with our Lady Killers Month. You know, we started off fun. We hit some high notes, and then I just fucking brought it down into hell for everyone. You did. I could have given you a nice, boring old lady you poisoner. You could have given me that old German poisoner, yep. and we would have been fine, and we would have had a lot of laughs at her expense, yep. and we would have ended this episode on a positive note. But instead, here we are. I feel a little sick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair. Yeah. Um, and now we've projected someone's death, too, so we've really leaned in to... You know, I really a new did, profession I leaned for you. into the capital yeah. punishment situation for myself. You did. Didn't know I was so for it. Well, who knows? I guess you'll have to sort something out for yourself. But that's neither here nor there. Well, shit. What are we going to do next week? Do we have a plan? We don't, do we? Never. Um, but we are going to do is close the book on Lady Killers. We're not going to burn this one. Uh-uh. Right back on the shelf. We're going to hide it, I think, after these last two stories, just for a little bit. Very well written. Um, I might actually read it at some point. You, well, it sounds like you had a fun time. I did. There's a few more that I didn't get to hear about. Yeah, there's three or four more that perhaps we'll come back to at some later date. We'll do some snippets. Yeah, but we'll uh, hit you guys with something maybe a little more... Can we do... Um, I swear to God, if you give me a poisoner, I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> She's going to be a poisoner. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> but can we maybe find something fun? 
lighthearted? Relatively so. Relatively yeah. lighthearted? I'll do a large internet search while you're full vacation Great. mode. I can't wait. Um, this has been a lot of banter to listen to. We can't just end it after that awful thing. Uh-uh. Um, and hopefully you've turned us off. But you this get point. to turn this off. We have to continue to listen to ourselves. And it's really on each us. Other. Um, so with that said, follow us on Instagram. Amanda, what is our handle? It's murder. She read pod. We have a hundred followers holding strong. We're going to lose like 12 after I say this. Do you think it's because you threatened everyone last week? <laughs> No, 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 no. I don't think it's the poison pie threat that I sent, but maybe. Could be. You don't know. You never know. All right. So with that, let's officially close this book. Let's officially close Lady Killers of April. Goodbye. Goodbye.